let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Gabriel and then uh, other angels came and uh, not only spoke to Mary, but they also spoke uh, to shepherds uh, out keeping watch in the field at night. Lord, we thank you that you sent your messengers to tell us that the Savior was coming. And we have that message recorded and we have that same hope and peace and joy and love uh, that they first received. Lord, I pray that as we hear your word today, that we would receive an increased measure uh, of your great peace. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, we're in the second week of the Advent and Christmas series entitled, uh, The Heart of Christmas. And we're discovering or rediscovering the true meaning of this season, 
emphasizing those traditional themes of, of hope and peace and joy and love, all of which are made possible by the birth, death, uh, and resurrection of Christ. Last week, we began with the hope that is at the heart of Christmas. We saw that the faithfulness of God's prophetic word and the birth of Christ are reminders that the God who has been faithful in the past will continue to be faithful in the present and into the future. Emmanuel, God with us, and he's our hope here in the present. And we can hope for his return when he restores all things. Today we're going to look at another theme at the heart of Christmas, and that is the theme of peace. One of my favorite Christmas shows has always been a Charlie Brown Christmas. In fact, uh, Jeanette and I have a Charlie Brown tree that we uh, got a few years ago. I thought about bringing it today, actually, and, and uh, setting it up. But it's amazing that even at its production in 1965, Charles Schultz was making a statement against the commercializing of Christmas. I wonder what he would say now. If you know the story, you know Charlie Brown picks the smallest of Christmas trees, and he's going to bring it back. It's going to be for their nativity pageant. And he's proud of picking this little tree, but when he gets back, Lucy and all the others, including Snoopy even, laughs at Charlie Brown. And then comes my favorite scene. Charlie Brown says, I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And then Charlie Brown shouts, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? At that point, Linus pulls his thumb out of his mouth and he says, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then Linus goes to the stage and he reads our Luke 2 text. Follow along with me. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Thanks be to God. Like John Wesley at his conversion or assurance of faith, I always found my heart, even as a child, strangely warmed as Linus read Luke 2. I still do. It's so beautiful with the promise of great joy and peace on earth. I'm still moved and I'm warm when I hear the angel's promise of peace. But as an adult, I must admit that I'm also a little bit conflicted. You see, as a child, I was blessed to grow up in a very good home. Further growing up on a dirt road in Cleveland, North Carolina, uh, I was pretty naive and sheltered from much of the world. 
But as an adult, I know that peace on earth is not always easy to come by. The 1960s and 70s in our nation were times when so many were seeking peace. President John F. Kennedy declared, peace does not rest in the charters and covenants alone. It lies in the hearts and the minds of all people. So let us not rest all our hopes on parchment and on paper. Let us strive to build peace, a desire for peace, a willingness to work for peace in the hearts and minds of all our people. I believe we can. I believe the problems of human destiny are not beyond the reach of human beings. Sadly, President Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963, and he died without seeing world peace. Guitarist Jimi Hendrix said, When the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. Sadly, Hendrix overdosed and died on September 18, 1970, without finding peace through love. Musician John Lennon once stated, if everyone demanded peace instead of another television set, then there'd be peace. He also gave us the song, Imagine. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Well, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Sadly, John Lennon was murdered in New York City on December 8th, 1980. And he died without experiencing the peace he had imagined. Nothing wrong with these men's hopes. Certainly, no, certainly nothing wrong with working towards peace. But these men's tragic end reveals that peace on earth is rare. And you don't need me to tell you that. Hostages are still being held. Israel and Hamas, Ukraine and Russia are at war. Violent crimes are reported daily. There's shootings in Austin, Texas and at UNLV just this week. There are tensions in our families. There are tensions in our churches. So is peace possible? Well, I would answer yes and no. No, for as long as sin exists, there will not be complete peace. Even our best efforts at peace will always fall short. To be sure, we should strive for peace, but it will not be complete and perfect peace, for you and I are not complete and perfect. Ultimate peace for those who trust in Christ will not come until Christ returns. But, but, there are great measures of peace that followers of Christ can have in the here and now. And I'm very intentional when I speak of the peace for those who trust in or follow Christ. The promise of peace which the angels proclaimed is for those who believe Jesus is Savior and Lord. Look at verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The peace that is promised is for those with whom God is pleased, or as some uh, translations have it, those upon whom God's favor rests. This peace is for the redeemed in Christ. You see, peace is for those for whom God is pleased, but Hebrews 11:6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please Christ please God. The peace which is at the heart of Christmas does not come to all because some reject faith in Jesus. The aged Simeon said about Jesus later in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 34, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. 
You see, there's many who celebrate something they call Christmas or the holidays, but they're opposed to Jesus. And they cannot have the peace which he promises. And I know that sounds very exclusive in our modern world, and it is. But it is the truth of Scripture. It was only to his disciples, for example, that Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Further in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the people who enjoy the peace of God are those who believe in God enough to make their requests known to God. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. As John Piper writes, the key that unlocks the treasure chest of God's peace is faith in the promises of God. For believers, there's great peace that you, can, you and I can have right here, right now. And that's the peace of knowing that we are right with God. Colossians 1, speaking of Jesus, says, beginning in verse 19. Excuse me. For in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, Paul's saying that you and I were once hostile to God, and it was because of our sins. But through the blood of the cross, Jesus has made peace with God for us, and we receive that peace by continuing in faith, by trusting in the gospel of the cross of Jesus. Being reconciled to God, having peace with God is the key to experiencing peace in every other area of our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that our lives will be free of problems. We're going to still have circumstances that don't go our way. We're going to have challenging relationships that we're going to have to navigate. As Dr. Tony Evans once said, peace does not mean you don't have any problems. Peace means your problems won't have you. Listen to that again. Peace doesn't mean that you won't have any problems. It means peace means your problems won't have you. Our problems won't have us because we have the great peace of knowing we're right with the one who matters most, God. Problems won't have us because if God is with us, he's going to guide us and he's going to strengthen us. We can lean on him when we're weary. We can have peace with ourselves because we know that every past mistake and struggle has been forgiven. We, we can have peace now. That, that even in these moments, when you and I mess up, and yeah, God is disappointed, but you know what? He's not angry. And He's not hostile towards us because we've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. 
He's reconciled us to himself. And I believe it is that peace with God that can give us that peace of God which passes all understanding. Though the world around us is chaotic, we can have peace because we know that we are at peace with God. We're in right relationship with God. And we're assured that one day he's going to make all things right. And all who trust in Christ will live in perfect peace with God and with one another. You know, I tend to be one who in the moment panics a bit. Jeanette's laughing. She knows me well. I start thinking and working through my mind worst-case scenarios. But then amazingly, somewhere along the way, the peace of God which passes all understanding begins to come little by little, little by little. And God begins to say things like, "Uh, Danny, you know we've been here before, right? And you're going to have some troubles, but you're going to get through it. You can't completely avoid them. But I'm with you. And you know, the blood of Jesus has reconciled you and I, and you're good with me. We're right in our relationship. Therefore, you don't need to fear. And Danny, even if you don't see it right now, trust me, I've got this. You're going to get through it. And one day it's going to all be made right. That's that peace of God which passes all understanding that sometimes just seems to come despite me as God works amazingly. I also think it's peace with God and the peace of of God which then empowers you and I to strive for peace with one another. We won't perfect peace with one another, but peace with God and the peace of God is a great motivator for you and I to make peace with one another. It's the motivator for sharing the gospel so that they will have the same joy and peace that we have. And then if you truly want peace, I'm going to recommend something very practical. And it's going to step on your toes. Slow down. Slow down. Some of you are never going to have much peace because you never slow down. You don't slow down enough for, for God to give you the peace of God which passes all understanding. You've built no boundaries and no transitions into your schedules. And quite frankly, some of you are proud of it. You love to whip out that calendar app and show how your calendar is busier than anyone else's. It seems to be a bragging right for moms and dads these days. I'm sorry, but I love you and I don't want you killing yourself and making yourself anxious. We've got this crazy phenomenon going on of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Trust me, it will be okay if you miss some things. In fact, beloved, you'll be better off if you miss some of those things. I know I'm being hard on you. I'm picking on you. I'm picking on me too. If you've been in worship over the last few weeks, you know that I've really been blessed by the writings of of John Eldridge. And in a chapter I read this week, Getting Your Life Back, some of you are probably thinking, I wish you'd quit reading that book. But uh, <laughs> he talks about how we have precious few transitions from one activity to the next. 
But if you look to the gospel and you notice the ministry of Jesus and his disciples, you pick up on a couple things. Jesus was a very busy man. He had three years to spend with his disciples. He had three years to do the ministry he set out to do. He had three years to heal and to preach and to confront legalism. But he also regularly got away with his father. There were downtimes. There were transitions between miracles. There were transitions between one city and the next. There was transition between one ministry and the next. And it was in those transitions and that slower pace that he and his disciples hung out, that his disciples could ask questions, that he could speak peace into their troubled hearts, that he could speak hope into their troubled hearts. God can't speak peace into some of our hearts because we won't slow down and we won't turn off the noise. For example, Christmas is supposed to be a time of peace. And what do we do? We cram everything into it we possibly can. We leave no time to experience the peace of God which passes all understanding. So I want to suggest this right now, over the next two weeks. I know you're busy, but it'd be a great time to take some of those pauses we've been talking about over these next couple weeks. Pause, and in keeping with 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on God because He cares for you. Stop. Stop. Even if it's just for a moment. If a moment's all you have, give Him that moment and stop and say, Lord, I'm going to try the best of my ability to give you everyone and everything. I'm going to cast all my anxiety on you. Even my Christmas plans and my Christmas festivities. I'm giving it to you. And I want to exchange it for that peace of yours, which passes all understanding. I also want to point out that when the announcement of Jesus' birth was first given to those beyond Mary and Joseph, it came to shepherds out in the field keeping watch at night under the stars. And we so often point out how the announcement came to lowly shepherds instead of the religious, political, and social elite. But for busy people today, I want to point out this. I can't help but think that the setting was significant when the angels came and gave the promise of peace. It wasn't made to those hustling and bustling in Bethlehem or Jerusalem or in Rome. It came to those who were keeping watch out in a field at night. Coincidental? I don't think so. I wonder, I wonder if you and I might have more peace if we got out and we slowed down just a little bit in God's good creation. Eldridge quotes a study that says Americans now spend 93% of their lives indoors. That means if I live to be 80, I will have spent nearly 75 years of my life inside. Indoors, where the noise of televisions and heating and cooling systems and cell phones and video games and a host of other things are constantly distracting us, wearing us down, and giving us so little space for peace, beloved. Oh, we might get some relief from television and video games, but it's just that. It's relief, which is temporary. 
and it's numbing like alcohol or a bag of cookies or a carton of ice cream or whatever addiction of choice we have. But God's creation has a healing and a restorative nature to it. Eldridge writes, there's nothing better for a fried soul than to get in the woods or walk in the park, to lie on your back in the grass and watch the clouds go by, or sit on the beach and watch the breakers. Peace is at the heart of Christmas. Peace with God, the peace of God, peace with one another, peace with ourselves. But I pray for all of us, that we might intentionally allow some space for the peace of God. With that in mind, I want to close with an adaptation of a great Henry Nouwen prayer. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, master of both the light and the darkness, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have so much to do, seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over so many things, look forward to your coming again. We who are blessed in so many ways, long for complete peace and joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy, seek the peace and joy of your presence. We are your people seeking your light. And to, so to you we say, come, Lord Jesus. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, praise, and honor today and forevermore. Amen.
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you might abound in hope. God bless you.